Welcome to the EFC Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Ron Johnston, who is Executive Director of Small Church Connections. And Small Church Connections is an organization that helps small churches across Canada develop a greater sense of their potential so that they become more effective in serving their communities. And I think this is of great interest to a lot of Canadian Christians. So welcome, Ron. Thank you. I would like to know, first of all, what are we talking about when we talk about a small church? How do you define a small church? I always say that I I arbitrarily chose the number 150 in attendance on Sunday morning. Okay. Uh, Definitions vary in terms of numbers, Uh, but... um, uh, but that's sort of my definition, and and I, I use uh, attendance on Sunday morning because membership varies a lot between churches. Right. So I've heard that number before as kind of the average congregation size in Canada. So are we saying then that most churches in Canada would be technically small churches? That would be my assumption. Um, about 75% of, of churches in Canada are have fewer than 150. Okay. And about, uh, about 50% have fewer than 50. Oh, wow. Or yeah. than 75. Okay. Than 75. So once so. you get above 150, um, te- from your definition, you're technically not a small church and you're getting into medium size probably or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. of course we don't want to parse numbers too much, but it is interesting uh, to consider that there are a lot of small churches in Canada. Do you have an actual number? There's, um, there's a, about somewhere around 8,000 small evangelical churches. Okay. Yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. And um, I think, I think it would be about the same uh, percentages in that for mainline churches. Yeah, well, my my gut would tell me, uh, just from what I read and see about mainline churches, kind of uh, their congregations dwindling, aging, amalgamating, all that stuff, that uh, the small church phenomenon might be even stronger within the mainline denomination world. I think that would be very accurate. Okay. So let me uh, ask you this. I think I've been a member of many small churches over the years. And sometimes this happens. A big new church moves to town. Mm. And maybe it's a plant from another bigger church, you know, in a nearby city or something. And sometimes the small churches in town get even smaller as people sort of feel that, like, finally they have a chance to go to a big church. (laughs) Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Does that happen a lot? And, uh, you know, how do small churches kind of recover from that? Yeah, you know, it happens way too often is probably how I would put it. Um, I, I experienced that myself in, in the first church that I pastored. Uh, I had a large church open up down the road and, and a significant percentage of, of the church I was in left and, and started to attend there. Um, what I would say to small churches is is that that you can't compete in terms of programs and staff and and those things that a larger church uh, can afford to have. Um, the, the 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 biggest uh, strength of a small church is is relationships. 
And um, everything that I read on this subject, uh, everyone I talk to always uh, stresses that, that, that relationships, everybody knows everyone, that their family. And, um, and I would say to a church, you've got to build on your strengths. Uh, you've got to develop that more and more that that mm-hmm. relational sense within your church. Okay. And and uh, and that there will still be people who will leave your church and go to the larger one because they're looking for programs and they're looking for uh, a larger youth group for their children or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, but there's also a lot of people who are looking for those relationships. And. And if you, you know, a, a small church that is really strong in that area, um, I think will, uh, I've known of instances where the reverse has happened, where someone has been in a large church and has, has felt isolated and they've moved to a smaller church where, where uh, they can build relationships easily. Okay. And I, as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, maybe ironically, uh, something that large churches tend to do is try to recreate that small church feel in like cell groups or home groups or Bible studies or whatever, that small group experience that seems so integral to a big church. <laughs> I tell small church leaders that large churches spend enormous amounts of money and put a huge amount of effort into trying to create what the small church should naturally have. Oh, interesting. And then in terms of like the spiritual growth or discipleship uh, of people who attend a small church, when I think about what you said about everyone knows everyone, their family, uh, this hopefully emphasis on relationship, um, I would think that would potentially do good things for one's spiritual growth, right? If, uh, if growth comes from people knowing you and people uh, walking with you and maybe sometimes calling you out on things, can, does that happen more easily in a small church? I would say both yes and no to that, I think. Um, I think that discipleship, ha- again, happens most naturally and most effectively in, 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 a, in relationships. And that should just, that, that, that is a natural part of, of, of the small church. Um, and I, you know, I think overall the church in Canada is moving more towards a focus on discipleship and, and, uh, and that, and, but I think we've still got a ways to go. And that's true within small churches as much as large churches. Yeah. I would love to see a greater emphasis on, on discipleship within those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that occurs to me is just the, the role of the pastor. And um, I think that it may be, and this is my question to you, is it difficult for a pastor to change his or her way of thinking perhaps and say it's good that we are small and we don't have to be big but does that contradict evangelism i i I would say it that it contradicts a lot of the thinking of the past 50 years let's say where a focus has been on 
on numerical growth. And the sign of success is that a large, a small church is growing and it's becoming middle size. And I think that in terms of, of evangelism, um, I think again, we're in an era in which evangelism uh, is most effective within relationships. The days when when people are going to hold huge crusades like like Billy Graham did in the past are gone, um, and uh, and I, I think for a lot of people today that don't go to church, the 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 number one question that they have about the church is how is it relevant in my life? What what possible difference does it make whether I go or whether I don't? Yeah. And I think that's best answered in relationship. Hmm. When we build friendships, when we earn that right to sit down with someone and talk about spiritual things. And, uh, and that can happen, if anything, more effectively in a small church. Yeah. So <laughs> then um, when the small church uh, starts to accept its own beauty, say, and focus on building relationships and seeing the positive, um, does it start to attract more people, ironically? <laughs> you know, there's, there's certainly instances where that has happened. Um, but I would, I would su suggest that, that that should never be the target. Okay. That, that if, we, if we build relationships for the sole purpose of growing, our numbers. Yeah. That bec that becomes obvious. Ah. And and but it's kind of a I, I would suggest that, that that the numerical growth is God's part of the equation. Hmm. And our our part of the equation is building relationships and, and making disciples and and uh, in all, it's very likely that that would result in, in numerical growth. But that's not to be our big consuming thought. That's not to be our goal. Yeah, yeah. Just to grow in numbers. Okay. Because the other side is true, too. You can grow in numbers and, and, not, um, and not grow disciples at all. Right, right. Which it seems to me... Um, you know, the very famous and very successful Willow Creek came to that assumption itself a number of years ago in an internal study, right. I think. And really, I think everybody's respect for Willow Creek that was already strong just grew stronger when they sort of came out publicly and said, we need to do a better job going deeper. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I have, I have huge respect for someone like Bill Hybels at Willow Creek. Um, he's had a, a major impact on my life through his books and, and, and different things. Um, but it's, it's very easy for a large church, even a mega church like that. Um, and the interesting thing with Willow Creek is, is that, that their whole reputation was built around reaching the, the unchurched. Right. And so for them to admit that they weren't doing a good job of discipling those people, as you say, well, that was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's very easy for a, a larger church to, to 
specialize in things that attract Christian people to their church. Okay. Yeah. So things like the programs for the youth or, you know, the, the women's ministry midweek or the big conferences, you're talking about that kind of, that kind thing, of thing that does attract people who are already Christians typically, right? And, and, but it doesn't necessarily turn those people into passionate followers of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, um, let's stop the comparing <laughs> and think about small church then. So you mentioned relationship, uh, building is a strength it's it's easier to know people when there are fewer people obviously um what other strengths does the small church have that people can sort of feel good about and think about i think it's intergenerational uh just naturally that and uh there's not enough people often to divide the worship service let's say and and have something for the youth okay um and so um, what, one church that I, I was a part of one time, there was, there was uh, an, an elderly gentleman there, and, and every Sunday he used to just quietly approach one of the teenagers and say, I want to pray for you this week. Hmm. Uh, what can I pray about? And the next Sunday he would go back and just say, so how'd it go? Oh, that's neat. And... Um, and that's more likely to happen in a church setting where where the older folks and the teenagers are, are on a first-name basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and so there's that intergenerational. Uh, you know, I think in a small church, um, it, they, they get a lot more, young people get a lot more opportunity to be involved and mm-hmm. to be involved with the with the leaders and and that within a church setting. Uh, I think another uh, strength is that um, I I did uh, just my own personal uh, survey a few years ago in which I I connected with uh, about 110 uh, leaders in a variety of different settings across Canada and asked them what it was that grew up in a small church. That was the the thing that they had to have. And, and I said to them, I said, what was your growing up in that small church that helped you become a leader later on? Mm, that's a good question. And, and they said two things. Um, one was opportunity. Mm. And it was, I preached my ser- first sermon when I was 17 years of age. I taught Sunday school when I was 16. I helped lead the youth group when I was a teenager. And, um, and I always jokingly say to people in small churches, you know, Bill Hybels not, isn't going to allow a 17-year-old to preach. Right, right. On Sunday yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, you know, um, and then the other was, was some form of mentoring. And it was the leaders knew who I was. The leaders came alongside me and helped me in this. And... Um, and I think that that, um, you know, I, I, I think of another church that where we're, uh, in the last few years, um, about 10 different uh, y- young people 
have graduated from high school, they've gone to Bible college, and they're in some form of full-time ministry. Wow. And that's that's from one church. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty high yeah. ratio. And every one of them was involved as a teenager in some form of ministry. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's one of the greatest strengths of a small church, is yeah. the potential for producing leaders. Yeah. I, it's interesting. I have had that thought before, like being, you know, someone who's been part of small churches when families with teens leave for the programming reason uh, for a bigger church. <clears throat> I have thought, like I part, I, I get that. I understand why a family would do that, of course. But I have wondered about that loss of relationship. Like I know in the small churches we've been a part of, um, my three kids have known, you know, known others and been known by others and had exactly that experience of an older, you know, person who is not their grandparent paying attention to them and actually sometimes annoying them, I will say, <laughs> with their questions. But in the ultimately, I think my kids have felt valued. And that's, of course, not to say that can't happen in a large church, but I do see that there's a lot that can happen in the lives of young people by uh, by being needed. Even it's not even so much as you know they are invited to participate. Sometimes they need to, you know, participate and fill roles, uh, and that's kind of a good thing too. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was huge in my own life to to have the opportunities I had when I was young. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, uh, tell me about your ministry then, um, Small Church Connections. What do you do uh, to help small churches? We do a number of things. Um, part of it is is just trying to be an encourage an encouragement to, to leaders. And uh, I always jokingly say that I've never met a small church leader that didn't need encouragement. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I, I spend a fair amount of time just sitting down with them, taking them out for lunch, talking with them, and, and, um, and, and, and sharing some of what we're sharing, we've been sharing, that, mm -hmm. that there are those really positive sides to small church ministry. Mm -hmm. um, I have a workshop that I, I teach as part of just mentoring some leaders, and um, and then the the uh, the biggest thing is is putting on conferences and and uh, um, that are that are much broader in terms of of uh, I, I'm working on a conference for next September where we'll bring in leaders from across Canada to for three days just to talk about issues facing small churches. Okay, and where is that conference going to be at? Maybe you can tell us more about it. It's going to be September 24th to 27th, and um, it's going to be held at uh, Salvation Army's Jackson Point Conference Center, which is about an hour north of Toronto. Okay. And um, Dr. Rod Wilson, who uh, is past president of Regent College and taught at Tyndale, uh, he's going to be the keynote speaker at it. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then there's a number of other uh, speakers that will be participating. 
And we're going to look at issues like like building a leadership team in a in a small church setting. Okay. How do you do that when when you've only got fifty people to draw from? Right. Right. Uh, how do you develop youth, a youth ministry when again when there's just a handful of young people there? Um, how do we make an impact on on uh, the community that we're part of? And um, as you know, again, I think there needs to be that change. We're going to look at that from from uh, the focus on numerical growth, that that's the measure of success, to mm-hmm. a focus on impact. Um, and, and small churches can do that. They can have that kind of impact. Yeah, I think of the shift in recent years toward, uh, I think, kind of away from the attractional model, as I understand it, toward a more missional service model. And I would think that that would be maybe good news for the small church, who might also be potentially um, more in touch maybe with what's happening in their particular community, especially if they've been there a while. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially in a small town rural setting, uh, in many ways, small churches, uh, can ha- rural churches can have a bigger impact than urban churches. Hmm. Um, the, uh, Is that because the they're the church, only person around maybe doing something? Is that what you mean? Or Just, just uh, simple arithmetic that, that, you know, if you're in a town of 800, you're more likely to be able to have a, an impact than you would in the city of Toronto. Okay. Yep. You know, um, for instance, the, uh, I think of one church that ran a, that runs a day camp every summer. And, um, you know, with they, they've had service groups within the town come to them and ask if they can contribute towards that. They, the, they had the library phone them because they didn't want to run any programs on the, the week that they were running their day camp. Um, you never have that kind of response within a, a, an urban setting. Right. Because there's just so many other things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, that makes sense. Well, you uh, talked earlier about, um, at your conference, one of your topics, encouraging pastors to think about how to do their leadership team. And I thought about um, the pastor being the person who has to do everything in a small church, which I can see how they may fall into that pattern. And that would be very unhealthy, I would imagine, for a small church, right? Well, for any church, but. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the, The large church necessity means that the pastor can't do that. Mm, right. Now, I get, there's the same danger of, of staff doing everything, though. Okay. We have a problem, and we hire a staff person to, yeah. to take care of that problem. Um, in, a, in, a, in a small church setting, um, you're, you're so much more limited um, in, in terms of, of the... the choice of leaders that you have that I think for many pastors, it is easier to just say, well, I'll just do it. Right. Right. Um, I would, I, I would strongly though, encourage small church pastors to invest a lot of time and effort into building leaders. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and just it, to to encourage them, people within their church, to take those roles that, um, yeah. And it, you know, it's a it's a it's a mindset that the that the, uh, the church needs to see their pastor as as not the answer to everything. Right, right. Yeah, that is a big mindset shift, I think. Do you think that, uh, I'm thinking about seminaries and um, how seminaries uh, prepare people for ministry. Do you think seminaries are um, in tune with this, that a, a lot of their graduates, I mean, statistically, I think from what you're saying, the majority of their graduates will not go on to lead the big church. Um, do you think seminaries are preparing their pastors well for that? Not nearly as well as I'd love to see them do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's only a couple of uh, places in Canada that I know of that have that have uh, courses in small church ministry. Oh, interesting. And. Um, and it, 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 it's. I, I would love to see every seminary have at least a course in that. Yeah. If uh, if not more, um, it's it's so difficult if if you grew up in a large urban church, to. And that's been your whole experience. Mm -hmm. You go to seminary in a in a city, and you go to a large church there, and and then you go to a small church in a rural setting. And uh, it, it's a different world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. to not to not view it as um, that you're not being uh, disloyal or rejecting the call, you know, to share the gospel and the good news. That to accept that you are at a small church and maybe it's not going to become the mega church, you know, in the northern parts of the province. That that the small church. It can be yeah. beautiful and worthwhile and is important just as it is. Exactly. And, 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 you know, the other, the other thing with that too, I think is that, that pastors need to, what I would, what I would call when they, when they go to that small church, they need to unpack their luggage. Okay. They need to, to see that church as the place that God has called them to until it, he very clearly calls them somewhere else. Okay. And not see it as a stepping stone to a larger urban church somewhere that, that might provide them with more than the small church can. Wow. Ron, <laughs> that's very challenging, <laughs> I bet. We're really calling out, calling out pastors on their humanity here. But I, I mean, we, I'm married to a minister, and we spent uh, several years in the northern part of a province at a small church, at a multi, you know, multi-parish uh, setting. And so I, I, I completely relate to what you're saying. And I think it's not, it reminds me of uh, medical doctors who might resist going and serving, you know, in the far flung corners of Canada uh, or see it as like this necessary um, step that you have to get through or over first. And of course that contradicts a, a calling to love and serve Christ church. So 
yeah, I can see that uh, a pastor might have to be really honest with him or herself and, and come to grips with that. Very human feeling. Totally human. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, because it, it is the pastors of large churches that get the perks. Right, right. They, they get to speak at the larger conferences and they, uh, and, and that's not a, that's not a criticism of them at all. Um, I appreciate those, those people and, and, but, but that is one of the realities. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's like the church. I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's the church as a, the small church as a body, uh, believing in their own value and committing themselves to God's mission with, without being distracted by what else is happening. But it's also, that also has to happen within the pastor leader, you know, him or herself. They need to also believe that and then trust God that, you know, amazing things might happen, but those amazing things might be these 50 people really go deep in their faith and serve their community well in the name of Christ. And the amazing thing may not be that you become a church of 5,000 or even 500, right? You know, I think one of the most transforming things that I ever had in my own life was that, unfortunately, it was about 15 years into being a pastor. But I realized that my calling was was to touch one life at a time. Mm. And that's really all I was called to do. And that can be done every bit as effectively in a church of 75 as it can in a church of 750. Yeah. So is that every pastor's calling then to touch one life at a time? I think it's every Christian's calling. Oh, yeah. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. Ron, thank you so much for giving us uh, this time today. It's very challenging and it's very honest. And uh, I think it's very helpful and important. So I really appreciate you sharing your mission and your heart for small churches in Canada. So if somebody listening is interested in talking with you or having you come and listen to them, <laughs> it sounds like you probably do a lot of listening. Um or finding out more about that conference coming up in September, which I know also uh, the EFC's own Rick Keemstra will be there as well, I think, as one of your speakers. Yes, he, yeah, he, um, yeah. How do they find out more? Uh, the best would be to contact me at uh, ron at smallchurchconnections.com. Okay. And the website is smallchurchconnections.com? Yeah. Okay, perfect. That's great. Well, thank you, Ron, so much. You're most welcome. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.